The first reading is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 52, verse 13 through to 53, verse 12. Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings, sorry. Um, so shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him. For that which has not been told them, they see. And that which they have not heard, they understand. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. As of one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth, like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off from the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring, he shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. The second reading is taken from Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 11. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, 
but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. It's fair to say that the last few weeks that we've had in the book of Philippians have been challenging ones. We are to live as citizens of heaven, says Paul, which in part looks like serving together for the sake of the gospel, serving others, counting them more important than ourselves. These are challenging words. And last week, perhaps the most challenging of all, We are to think like Christ. Verse five of our passage. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. I'm sure many of us will have been left thinking, can I really do that? It doesn't feel like I have the mind of Christ. And all of us will feel the the feeling that it is so hard to serve consistently. Maybe I can serve, maybe I can think like Christ after I've heard a sermon on a Sunday. Uh, But consistently, throughout the week, is it really possible? Uh, When I wake up, what would Christ have me do? Uh, When I go to work, how can I seek the interests of others? Uh, On a Sunday, how can I serve my church family? Newcomers, uh, thinking about that sort of thing consistently is hard. Is it really possible for me to think like Paul? The man who said in Philippians, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's pretty hardcore. Is it really possible to think like Christ and pour myself out for the sake of others? Well, today Paul is going to give us some help with that. He's going to show us Jesus' life again. Because thinking like Jesus starts with thinking about Jesus. Uh, Paul wants us to really grasp just how incredible Jesus's service is, Uh, because only seeing that, only seeing how incredible it is, is, only that is going to fuel us as we follow in Jesus's footsteps. And there are two key parts of Jesus's story that Paul wants to amaze us with, and the first is in verses six to eight, uh, Jesus's amazing service. Jesus' amazing service. Jesus' story is U-shaped. He stooped to serve in his death on the cross, and God raised him from the dead to rule all things. And Paul starts by zooming in on the first half of that story. Or perhaps zooming out would be a better word, because we know that Jesus stepped down to serve, but have we really considered just how far he stooped? just how big that step down was. And Paul's big point here is that Jesus' service was really a bigger deal than I think any of us realize. He humbled himself from far higher than we realize to far lower than we realize. And Paul starts with higher, uh, Jesus' origin story. Uh, Look down with me at verse six. Uh, Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped 
Uh, Now, in the form of God is a bit of a difficult phrase, uh, but Paul can't mean that Jesus was just pretending to be God. Uh, Read on in the sentence and you'll see that Jesus has equality with God. Uh, Jesus is God the Son, God himself. Instead, with that language of in the form of, uh, Paul is reminding us that before he was an ordinary carpenter, God the Son looked like God. He looked like God. And I wonder what sort of image that puts in your mind. Uh, He looked like God. And whatever you imagine, uh, I reckon you need to go bigger. Uh, You need to go higher. If you're imagining splendor, if you're imagining twinkling jewels and beautiful garments, is that what looking like God is like? Uh, You need to go bigger. Uh, The Bible says that God dwells in unapproachable light. Uh, Those of us who are in the book of Exodus read this a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire. Fire. Uh, Moses caught a glimpse of the back of God's glory and it made his face shine like the sun. Uh, In terms of splendor, whatever you're imagining, you need to go bigger. If you're imagining trumpet fanfares and throngs of courtiers surrounding Jesus, you need to go bigger. Uh, When people in the Bible see God's throne, he is surrounded not by courtiers, but by throngs of angels. Uh, And the soundtrack is less trumpets and more earthquake and thunder and lightning and smoke. If you're imagining power, people coming and going at Jesus' command, you need to go bigger. Uh, The heavens and the earth were created for Jesus. Or if you're imagining wealth, maybe Scrooge McDuck levels of gold. Uh, You need to go bigger. Every beast of the forest is mine, says God in Psalm 50. The cattle on a thousand hills, if you took those to market, that would be billions and billions and billions of pounds. Or if jewels are more your thing, uh, on Saturn it rains diamonds and Jesus made it. It belongs to him. However exalted, however splendid, however glorious you think that God the Son was before he came to serve us, you need to think bigger, says Paul. Jesus was the one who had absolutely everything, and that is where Jesus' story starts. But instead of using all of that to his own advantage, Jesus instead chose to serve our broken world. Uh, 2,000 years ago, the God of the universe was born a human baby. He was God with us and like us. And that is a huge step down. Uh, It is the man who has everything, uh, making himself nothing. Uh, Look down at verse 7 with me. But he made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, uh, being born in the likeness of men. Again, Paul isn't saying that Jesus was just pretending to be human. Uh, He was just as human as you or I. Uh, The point is that if you'd have been in Nazareth 2,000 years ago, what you would have seen before you is a human. And more than that, a servant. And when you compare the life of a human servant to the glories of God, uh, the servant is basically nothing. Uh, For the sake of serving us, Jesus took a huge step down, an enormous step down. In the king's coronation last Saturday, we had a small example of that sort of stepping down decision. 
At the start of the service, a young chorister welcomed the king in Jesus' name, and the king replied, in his name and after his example, I come not to be served, but to serve. And then as a picture of this humble attitude, later on in the coronation service, Charles allowed his robes of state to be stripped off piece by piece until he was standing there before the assembled masses in a simple white shirt, a reminder of his humanity. And it made a powerful before and after photo. Uh, Before, the king of the realm in all his finery, and after, a man in a white shirt. Uh, Royal robes to a white shirt, it's all uh, a big step down uh, to serve. Uh, But I said it's a small example, uh, because that step down was mainly symbolic. Uh, Nothing really changed. Uh, If you think about wealth, uh, the king's bank account was still full to the seams. Or if you think about uh, splendor, his white shirt, I'm almost certain, was tailor-made. Or in terms of status. Uh, As he said those things, Charles was surrounded by about 2,000 of the world's biggest and best dignitaries and celebrities and watched on TV by 20 million people in the UK. Uh, He was clearly the main event And despite his looks, no one was going to come and offer him a mop. The king chose a small step down. But with Jesus, the step down is infinitely greater. In taking on humanity, he made himself nothing. The before and after photos, they are far more shocking. Before, splendid, inapproachable light. And after, No form or majesty that we should look at him, says Isaiah. No beauty that we should desire him. Before, the the riches of creation in the palm of his hand. uh, And after, uh, poor, uh, working with his hands to feed himself and maybe to mend the holes in the roof of his family home. Before, needing nothing. After, hungry, thirsty and tired. Or before, glorious, worshipped by angels and all creation. After, says Isaiah, despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. From the heights of heaven to washing his disciples' feet, Jesus took a bigger step down than I think any of us realise. He made himself nothing to serve us. And then Paul says he went even further, even lower than nothing. Uh, Look at verse eight. And being found in human form, Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Uh, God planned that his servant would suffer death for the sins of his people, uh, that all of our sins might be forgiven. Uh, That's what we heard about in our first reading in Isaiah And in humility, Jesus chose to obey that plan, to obey even though it meant going to the cross. Not only did Jesus set his own interests aside and exchange the glories of heaven for dust and dirt, not only did he exchange being served and worshipped by everything for serving us, but when serving us meant debasing himself in a humiliating, painful and cursed death on the cross, He did it. If you want a story of somebody setting aside self-interest, there is no one better 
Jesus' service is far more amazing than we realize. And now Jesus' story isn't over yet. We've just had the first half, uh, but let's pause for a moment and take stock. Uh, We've heard so much challenge over the past few weeks uh, to think, to serve, to strive side by side that people might hear about Jesus. And I think it's very easy to look at this passage, look at Jesus' incredible service and despair. Uh, Jesus gave up everything and here I am clinging to my time, my money, my reputation. Jesus went to the cross, but I find it hard to serve my church family, let alone my non-Christian friends who need the gospel. It's challenging, and of course, that's partly right. Seeing how Jesus served will, of course, expose our bad attitudes and the ways that we fall short. But Paul was writing to a very servant-hearted church, Uh, The Philippians didn't need to know that service was a good thing. They already thought it was a good thing. Uh, They were partners in the gospel with Paul. Uh, They were on board with service. Uh, So the main reason that Paul is writing this story, the the main reason he is retelling uh, Jesus' life, is not to challenge us, but to amaze us with Jesus. He's writing to convince us that in the cross, we have been served far more than we realize Uh, Because, as we said, the only way that we're going to be able to think like Christ is if we're captivated by what Jesus has done for us. Uh, What is going to help us serve? Only looking in awe at Jesus who has served us. Uh, Paul wants us to look in awe at Jesus's amazing service. Uh, But we can't stop there. Verse 9 starts with, therefore... Therefore, God. Uh, Paul wants us to see the consequences of Jesus' service as well. He wants us to see God's response, uh, what he did with Jesus' service. And again, it is far better than we realize. Uh, That's our second point. Uh, God's amazing response in verses 9 to 11. God's amazing response. So in our retracing of Jesus' life, we're in the grave, the lowest of the low points. Uh, Jesus has served even to death on a cross. How does God respond? Well, I wonder how you would continue the story. Uh, Maybe your mind jumps to forgiveness. Uh, Jesus died for us, and therefore, God forgives our sins. Uh, Or it might jump to resurrection. Uh, Jesus died an innocent death, and therefore, God raised him from the dead. Uh, And those things are wonderfully true. Uh, But if you look down, they're not what Paul focuses on. Verse 9. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. God's response to Jesus' service is to put him in the spotlight. God has highly exalted Jesus. Uh, We're meant to imagine Jesus lifted up for all the world to see. Uh, One of the things it's hard to miss in the city skyline as you come over London Bridge is the LED screen right on the top of Tower 42. Uh, I've seen it lit up for all sorts of different charitable causes. Uh, But we should imagine it in the city skyline, lit up with Jesus, shining 600 feet above our heads, saying, this is what brilliance looks like. 
Or maybe we need to go even higher and imagine a skywriting plane at 10,000 feet, spelling out in huge letters across the sky, Jesus. God has highly exalted Jesus. And the peak of this exaltation, at the peak of Jesus being lifted up, is God giving to Jesus the name that is above every name. By which Paul means God's own holy and precious name. Uh, Yahweh, the Lord. Uh, We're used to seeing something a little bit like this when we see people getting awards, uh, people putting their name on people. Uh, The Victoria Cross is the highest military honour that this country bestows, introduced by Queen Victoria to recognise most conspicuous bravery or some daring or preeminent act of valour or self-sacrifice or extreme devotion to duty in the presence of the enemy. Way to go back to 1857 and see her presenting the first of these medals. Uh, What you'd effectively see is Queen Victoria putting her name on some soldiers. Uh, Here have the Victoria Cross. Uh, And that medal is saying that this is what I, Victoria, think that you should honour. I approve this. Uh, Maybe even this is what a true Victorian looks like. Well, uh, God bestowed on Jesus, not the name Victoria, but the name that is above every name. Uh, This is who I, the Lord, think that you should honour. Jesus' life is the one that I, the Lord, approve. Uh, You should honour Jesus. And it's an award ceremony with an absolutely huge audience. Look at verse 10. Uh, So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Here, Paul looks forward to the day of Christ that we thought about a couple of weeks ago. He'd have us imagine that day when Jesus will return to bring his people home and every eye will see him. God has put Jesus' name in lights. And on that day, not just the church, but everyone will give Jesus the honour he deserves for who he is and what he's done for us. Some because they love Jesus and some because they just can't avoid it. Uh, One of the things that makes self-giving service in Jesus' pattern hard is that the world takes a different path. Uh, When we heard every knee shall bow and every tongue confess, it's no surprise that we look out in the world and think that just doesn't seem true today. Uh, The world talks about self-care, and self-fulfillment and me time, uh, which is a great contrast to the sort of thing that Jesus is saying. The people that we see held up on TV and Instagram are the rich and the glamorous, enjoying and even flaunting their money and their status. Uh, There's not really any hint of self-giving service. And even in our lives, uh, the lifestyle that our friends and our colleagues have are more about self-interest and self-advancement than counting others more significant than themselves. And in the midst of all that, it is really hard to make costly decisions for the sake of the advance of the gospel. It's really hard when our world says, and even some in the church say, that's pathetic. How stupid, that is exactly the wrong choice. Service, what a waste. Uh, But Jesus is the one who God is exalting. It is Jesus' life his pattern of costly service that the Lord is putting on display for all to see, uh, that God is putting in the spotlight. 
And we can look forward to that day of Christ when the Instagram stars, the power abusers, and even the city workers who live their entire lives for their own self-interest, when all of them, every knee, will bow and admit that Jesus was right all along. All of them will admit that we were right all along to follow in his footsteps and serve and strive together that more would hear about Jesus. But it goes far beyond a medal, a stamp of approval. On many levels, the Victoria Cross is a bad analogy because only God is worthy of bearing the name that is above every other name. To put it on anything but God is blasphemy, sacrilege. Just like only the brave can wear a Victoria Cross, and if I pinned it on, uh, somebody would take me to court, rightly, maybe send me to prison. Uh, Only God can wear the name, the Lord. Only God can rightly be called the name that is above every other name. And in fact, did you notice that in verse 10 and 11, uh, God's words that William read out at the start uh, are there from Isaiah, uh, but in place of God is Jesus. Instead of to me, God, every knee shall bow, it says to Jesus, every knee should bow. Because when God put his name on Jesus, he wasn't just saying, this is what I approve. He was identifying Jesus as God. Not just this is what I approve, but this is who I am. Jesus, in his life, poured out for others, reveals God to us. Or as verse 11 puts it, Jesus Christ is Lord. Lord, Yahweh, the God of the Bible. It is Jesus' costly service on the cross that reveals God to the world. In Jesus, God reveals what he's like, radically other-centered, pouring himself out for the salvation of our sinful and broken world. And as people all around the world see Jesus' costly service, perhaps hear about it in the gospel, perhaps see it in the lives of their disciples, they see what God is like. And even today, some are turning to him and being saved. Even today, us and others are bowing the knee and confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus' amazing service reveals what God is like. So if any of us want to be like God, we should serve like Jesus. If you want to show other people what God is like, Uh, then look to the interests of others like Jesus. Let's try and draw all this together. As Christians, we know that Jesus was a servant. And we know deep down that we should serve like him. Uh, We should serve one another. We should look to the interests of our non-Christian friends and especially their need for Jesus. Uh, We know that we should think like Christ But when that's hard, when selfishness, when weariness, when pressure from a world that loves itself gets in the way, Paul wants us to think of Christ. We should think back to his amazing service, stepping down from the heights of heaven to nothing and less than nothing to serve us. And we should let that vision fuel us to joyfully follow in his footsteps And we should think forward to that last day when every knee will bow to Jesus, when every spotlight will shine on him, as every tongue says, Jesus Christ is Lord. And we should let that vision fuel us 
to joyfully serve the advance of that good news now. When we're finding it hard to think like Christ, what we need to do is think of Christ. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the incredible way that Jesus Christ stooped to serve us. Thank you for the way he put our interests above his own. Please amaze us again with what he did for us and help us to follow him, to copy him. Please help us as we await that day when every knee will bow and everyone will see how wonderful a king our Lord Jesus is. In his name we pray. Amen.